Total HIPAA Compliance prepares health insurance agents and employers that offer health benefits plans meet the HIPAA compliance requirements. We complete the required documents and provide customized online HIPAA training through our HIPAA Prime service. Today's podcast covers issues important for employers who sponsor a health benefits plan. Jason Karn, Total HIPAA's Chief Compliance Officer, interviews David C. Smith, nationally recognized as a health and welfare's benefits compliance expert. Today's podcast is titled, Why Do Employers Have to Be HIPAA Compliant? Employers don't see the need to be HIPAA compliant. There's this one posting on HHS that I've gotten referred to many times that says, an employer does not have to be HIPAA compliant. But in the next sentence, it says, a health plan is considered a covered entity. And we always say, well, who's administering? Who's the administrator of that plan? And it's inevitably an HR office or a person within the, the company that's doing that. So if you could talk a little bit more about that, about why employers are not getting the message about HIPAA compliance. The core of this issue is really related to ERISA. So ERISA is a federal statute passed in the early 70s that really was designed to regulate um, employee benefit plans like retirement plans and group health plans and things like that. And ERISA, in recognizing the political realities of this, said specifically they did not regulate employers, that they regulated plans. And so, you know, it's this this interesting uh, nuance within the law that says, you know, ERISA doesn't apply to ABC company, but ERISA does apply to ABC company's group health plan or ABC company's retirement plan. The question that I ask a lot of agents is, all right, well, who do you deal with at ABC company when y'all are talking about your group health plan renewal? Well, I mean, there's Sally, she's the HR director, and then, you know, Bob, who's the CFO, I'll talk to the two of them, and then Sally's got this young woman working for him that I, I can't remember her name, but you know she does a lot of the day-to-day stuff on the health plan. And it's like, all right, well, so tell me when Bob and Sally and you know the unnamed third party stop being the employer and start being the group health plan. Is there like a dotted line on the floor where it stops being the employer and over here we're in group health plan world? Right. Like, no, it, it doesn't. HR is sitting there both as an employer and as a group health plan. Mm -hmm. And so there's no clear, bright line between where they have it and where they don't. The best example of that has been a handful of situations involving clients where renewal time rolls around and they've got an employee who's got some kind of medical issue that's causing a lot of claims to be paid for that group. And, you know, inevitably the question will come up, who is that? And my response is always, do you really want to know? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, what are you going to do if I share a name? Right. And that happens to be someone that's already on the list to be terminated next week. Mm-hmm. Then you've got an issue. Right. And so now all of a sudden you've taken protected health information, that employee's high risk and their high claims cost, and you've resulted in some tie back to their loss of employment. Maybe not in reality, but at least the appearance of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the mistakes are made. You know, it becomes the situation where a lot of our clients don't really question it, you know, part because you know, we're explaining it to them on the front end. 
but also because we're saying, hey, listen, you are from time to time going to get health information about your employees or their dependents who are covered on your health plan, your dental plan, your vision plan, whatever. And you've got to understand that if you let these three people know mm-hmm. that they have to understand that they've got information that they have to protect at all costs. Right. Or you just say, I'm going to give all this detail to Sally, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to give it to Bob. And then Sally understands that if she shares it, that's kind of on her. But me as the agent or the consultant is never going to tell Bob that, you know, the, the president's taking some kind of, you know, mind-altering drugs or whatever. Right. It, it becomes this kind of shared responsibility to protect the information and to say, you have to be compliant when you're a group health plan. So let's kind of just create this responsibility over here so that we're never letting that information go over here. Right. Um, you know, another good example is, um, you know, for our clients who have self-funded health plans, There'll often be a, a bill or a statement that goes to someone in finance every week mm-hmm. that has all the claims to be paid for that particular week. Right. And you know what a lot of your bigger you know, carriers and, and TPAs will do is they'll send that record and they'll have an identifier on it, but it won't be something that you can figure out. Like my social security number wouldn't show up on that. Right. It would be some random number that they've assigned to me for the purpose of that report. And that way the person in finance can't figure out, oh, well, this person's got this, this, and this going on. Right. And, you know, then the information gets out of hand, out of control. Right. The difference between fully insured and self-funded plan. One of the really unique aspects of being fully insured is that those plans are dually regulated. Okay. The feds regulate them, Mm -hmm. but then the state can also pass laws that would regulate them. And so, kind of as an example, North Carolina passed a mandate last year that required um, all large employer plans. I have a client who is self-funded. The big difference is that they're not paying um, a set amount every month for every employee to the carrier. Mm-hmm. You know, part of what they're paying to the carrier is to cover admin cost, uh, to pay for something called stop loss insurance, which is kind of protecting them from excess losses. Mm-hmm. But most of what they're paying month in and month out are claims costs. Okay. And so in that environment, the risk at the end of the day is not on the carrier, but is on the employer. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the employer, again, used in a couple of examples, you have a client who had what's called a $100,000 specific stop loss policy. Now what that means is that that employer is responsible for the first $100,000 of claims that each person covered on the plan because ERISA provides something called state preemption. And it says we're, because we're self-funded, we're exempt from state mandates. Mm -hmm. And so it gives them an opportunity to avoid some cost they get a cleaner, you know, it's, it's the trade-offs. Right. I get a little more risk, but I get some trade-offs. I don't have as much liability. I don't have all these state mandates. The question is, is there a difference on HIPAA requirements between... Probably the most common thing I get from fully insured groups is we never get any information about anybody in our group who has health information. We hear that all the time. A lot of fully insured groups have the perspective that, they, that they're safe and 
good to go because they don't have any PHI. It, it's just simply not the case. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, when you're self-funded, you kind of need to take even extra precautions. You know, one of the things that we've done on our end is we suggested that our clients kind of designate who gets this protected health information. So that they'd kind of assign that to a person, mm -hmm. and then that person's got a little greater responsibility. Maybe they need to sign a confidentiality agreement to say, I might get this, but I'm not going to share it around. Right. They get some more extra training to make sure they understand what they can do and what they can't do. Mm -hmm. When they email back and forth with the account manager or whatever, they understand that those emails need to be encrypted. Right. You know, it's that higher level that becomes the responsibility. Right. Um, and so there's a belief among some agents and some employers that well, we're fully insured, we don't get it. The only group health plans that are truly exempt from HIPAA privacy compliance are small employers, mm -hmm. those with less than 50 employees, who have a self-funded plan that is self-administered. So the most common place that that pops up is with something called a health reimbursement arrangement. In a health reimbursement arrangement, you're kind of in this middle world between being fully insured and self-funded.